What's up, guys? Welcome back to the pod. My name is Ben Retz, and alongside me is Marcos Conde Negron, my brother. How are you? I'm doing great, brother. Another fun week. How you doing? I'm great, man. Hey, our teams are 4-0. and oh. I wonder how that feels for everyone else. Oh, wait. <laughs> Nobody else will know. So we're going to dive into it today. First, we're going to discuss the Eagles and their matchup against the Washington Commanders, which there's a lot to talk about in that one. Yeah, uh, here we go. <laughs> After that, we're going to dive into the Niners game. There's some good things to talk about in that as well, and some things to lead into the next week. And then after that, we're going to talk about some positives we took out of the week, as well as a few negatives. Now, the negatives, whew, there could be some heated in. ones. We're going to go in. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, it is October 3rd. It is currently 7.13 p.m. So any news prior to and post it is just, this is the time it is. It is Whatever it is. drops afterward, that's not in our control. So <laughs> let's get into it, Marcos. All right. So the Eagles escaped an overtime victory at home against the Commanders 34-31. I, when it, my initial reaction coming out of this was, wow, there's a lot more questions, a lot more negatives than I think. But I think it was just because the expectations going into it was people thought we were going to run over them. I think, you know, we forget that we did have the short rest after playing on Monday. But there was the good things I saw out of it was mainly Jalen Hurts. Now, he did have a questionable decision at the end, but I'll talk. I'll break that down a little bit more later. But overall, he had his best game of the season. He went 25 for 37, 319 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. And he got, he got sacked three times and he also rushed for it was a third. Oh, yeah, 35 yards. And then he had like a 24-yarder in the fourth quarter that really opened, kept them going, kept the drive going. So I liked what I saw from the offense. We really took advantage of the fact the big matchup there was A.J. Brown versus rookie corner Emmanuel, Emmanuel Forbes Jr. So the commanders really tried to they tried to mix it up. They tried to blitz, but they played a lot of press man. And we were cooking them on double moves. And that's what we, that was how we were really able to take advantage. They were getting to us. Chase Young was creating pressure. Jonathan Allen was getting pressure on us. Montez Sweat was keeping Jalen Hurts kind of at bay. So it was it was interesting. This was the game that really kind of opened up our passing game. They really we they forced us to we weren't running as well as we normally would. We went in a lot of eleven man personnel, which is what we've not we haven't been having that much success. The Eagles haven't been having that much success in 11-man sets. We were only averaging about 3.9 yards to carry. And we rushed over 100 yards as a team, but we were trying to be balanced and get the run going. And they had 107 yards. It was it was pretty close. You Both guys, you guys mm -hmm. basically won this game in the air. Like, mm -hmm. when I look at, when I look at, like, DeAndre Swift, he had, what, 56 yards in a touchdown. Yeah. I think that was a red zone carry, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was close to the goal line. It was, uh, I think it was the first possession first touchdown we got yeah so so you guys you guys essentially took this game and i mean shoot man aj brown wow oh yeah dude nine nine catches 175 yards two touchdowns with that 59 uh you look 59 yard um explosion that was right after half that was the one that put us 21 17 and then him and jalen hurts dialed up again at the very end to give us the lead 31 24 with about a minute 47 left in the fourth now that play was really cool they there was discussed a little bit after the game when you watch that initially and you watch the highlights you you see Jalen and AJ communicating I think Jalen did change the play he noticed Emmanuel was playing three like right up on him 
and it was on the opposite side of where they scored the first touchdown. And he was like, we're going to do this again because you're going to be able to get him again. And A.J. Brown ended up taunting him. I didn't think that was such an egregious taunt. He he grabbed he You know, they ran into the end zone. And he just Emmanuel Forbes was on the ground and he just placed the ball right in his lap. I don't really know. If that's like it was major. <laughs> that's what I was like. Uh. And people want to debate like, oh, those 15 yards cost the team later in the going into that last drive because it, it affected the kickoff, which allowed them to return, get a little closer. But ah, I wasn't I and then again, the whole argument of we could have probably ran it down to in field goal range and then just kick the field goal to end it. I didn't mind mm-hmm. them being aggressive. I don't I think in those moments you would think that we were going to go and just kind of chip it away. But I don't think they were prepared for the deep ball. So that worked really well. So I'm not going to complain about that at all. So I really liked I'm not going to talk about the defense because there's not much. There wasn't. <laughs> I don't want to. It was really disappointing, but I know um, Devontae Smith had a really dope catch. He's been having one amazing catch a game since this year started. He was uh, going into, it was closing out the second quarter, going into half, trying to get momentum when we were down 17-7, and Jalen Hurts gets pressured, and he just throws it up for Devontae, and he just high points it over two dudes, and it was about 37 yards. So it was really cool. I love watching Devontae Smith play. Our guys were able to make big plays when it mattered. And it was inconsistent. Washington was getting on us early. The Eagles were having a lot of trouble trying to read their looks because we weren't able to run the ball as effective, uh, effectively as we normally would. So I think another thing about that, too, is you guys had, what, like 11 penalties for 81 yards? And it seemed like <laughs> majority of those were were iffy calls, first of all, but they were also early on in the game. So it felt like you guys couldn't really establish like a rhythm. Yeah, we were shooting ourselves in the foot. Out of those 11 penalties, five of them led to first downs. So it was, and they were bonehead plays. Terrell Edmonds was the weak link on our defense. And he missed an opportunity for a, you know, it's a super slow two mile an hour bobble coming your way for an interception. He literally just drops it. I'm thinking to myself, like, this is unbelievable. On that drive where Washington, the game was tied 7-7. Uh, we were able to get pressure. We should have had the interception. And on the very next play, we get a fumble on Brian Robinson Jr., but it fumbled forward. Terry McLaurin was just right there at the right time, and he was able to fall on it for a touchdown. So it's like two plays that are just consecutive turnover plays that we couldn't take advantage of. And on top of the penalties, we really there was there was, it was forcing things to go their way a little bit and there was no turnovers no turnovers on either side so that was an interesting it's always a fun game to see when it's like the often both offenses are really producing well and it was just frustrating how like we got three defensive uh pass interference penalties where the ball was six yards or like for away from the receiver no one was really close to it it wouldn't have affected the play either way and it's kind of disappointing that they would call some such ticky tack plays there was also um, on one of our uh, brotherly shove attempts where we were going in a hurry up to go fourth and one Landon Dickerson lined up in the neutral zone. So they called it offensive offsides, which was interesting to me because if you look at that particular replay, all like four out of the seven commanders on the line were also in the neutral zone. Jonathan Allen had his hand under the ball where Kelsey was at, which is very clearly in the neutral zone. But, you know, when the Eagles have been so successful with that play, it, it, I, they probably are like, ah, we'll not give this one to the Eagles. We eventually, you know, we had a couple during the game. The Eagles were able to capitalize on those push pushes. And on that very end, in that fourth and one in overtime, 
Landon Dickerson also went early, so that was not called. So that was an interesting. I was like, okay, they got us back later, so it wasn't. You know, it is what it is. So yeah, um, I know you don't want to talk about the defense, mm-hmm. but I do want to ask you a couple of things. But one thing before I get into that with you mm-hmm. is I want to point out um, on the commander's side. So Cameron Curl had a sack. Jonathan Allen had a sack and Chase Young had a sack. So they had three sacks on um, the Eagles through the entire game. Now, the Eagles, on the other side of it, had three sacks as well. The only guy who got a sack in that game was Nicholas Morrow, and he got all three of your guys of the Eagles sacks. So he he played pretty well, and he was actually, it seemed like a bright spot. Now, maybe it was situational, um, but regardless, you know, that was, that was good to see somebody um, – or rather him come through for you guys there and amongst a a lot of glaring weaknesses in the defense. Yeah, so one thing I will correct you on, we did have five sacks because Hassan Reddick got one and Josh White was able to get one later. Uh, oh. Just, But no, Nicholas Moreau had Perfect. three. The cool stat about Nicholas Moreau's uh, sacks was last year he only had one all year and when he played for the Bears and he was able to get three all in ones is the most times he's had more than multiple sacks in game. Yep. And he was he was a one he was a guy we got in the offseason and we thought, oh, he'll be paired with Nicobe Dean. And then he kind of during training camp, he just kind of lost his place. But when he needed to step up, he was he was one of the most consistent players on the Bears defense last year. So I was surprised. I thought coming into it, he was going to play more of a role. And him and Zach Cunningham played really well in when it came to pass rushing. And again, the three sacks were created just by the way they respect our defensive line. And he, and Sean Desai dialed up blitzes at opportune times that ended up working out really well our coverage today was or on sunday was uh very very disappointing i don't really know what happened there looking at it schematically i just i i felt like terrell edmonds was missing his zones there was gaping holes in the zones terry mclaurin the way the way eric Bieniemy, like i think washington is benefiting from eric Bieniemy and his creativity on the offensive play calling. I think you see that the Chiefs are missing him a little bit, missing that kind of creativity, calling plays for Mahomes. But you see some of that creativity. I also like the fact that Sam Howell, he looked great. I got to give this dude his flowers. This was his fifth start, he and he looked he looked awesome. There was times where I just don't think the the team was ready for his sneaky athleticism. I don't think they were ready for him to take off for 20 yards or be able to escape the pocket because we were getting pressures. There, there was six eagles that got four or more pressures so we were getting at him he was just able to capitalize and make plays it was towards the end where we were we seemed to be getting to him a little bit more and he but he had you know big cojones he was able to make that game when you know game tying throw to Jahan Dotson with two seconds remaining and I'm surprised my question for you when you're watching this did you think Washington would have gotten it if they went for the two-point conversion yes I think so too. I I really did. I think they situationally it made sense for them to go for it. Did you hear? Uh, so Ron Rivera, they asked him about this. Did you hear his reason for it? No, I didn't. His reason was that his players looked tired. That was his reasoning for not That's going for not it on two. Good enough. That's not good enough. So wait, you don't want to go for it on a two point conversion. Your guys are tired, so you're gonna you're gonna ask them to play ten more minutes of football. When you could just go for it and end it right there if they looked tired. <laughs> also, if your guys are looking tired, that means you're not coaching them well, in my opinion. You're you're not 
you're not having your guys ready on a week-to-week basis. You're not going to have your guys ready to play a full game against one of the top teams in the league. That's bad coaching. Which was interesting because they were aggressive moving going, you know, throughout the game. They went for it on fourth down. They knew when they had the advantage. They went, they, they were very aggressive on those. They got themselves on the third and shorts and fourth and shorts a lot. And they took advantage. So I was surprised that um, with the, there was also, they just, I didn't know why Washington didn't feel like they could just get two yards, which was very interesting to me. I'm glad they didn't go for it. I was glad that it went to overtime. It scared me with that decision looming. I just wasn't sure. I was really happy when they kicked the field goal. I was nervous when they got the coin toss, though. I w- I texted you guys. I was I texted you and Ryan in the group chat. I was like, "This, the, I'm nervous as heck." If it wasn't for Reed Blankenship's arm getting in the way of Terry McLaurin's foot, they wouldn't have been able to. They would have. They might have been able to score or at least get a field goal and make the overtime last a little longer. So shout out to Reed for you know sticking his body out for the team <laughs> and taking it. His arm, they said, looks pretty messed up afterwards. Obviously, you're getting stepped on by cleats, so that's not a pleasant feeling. Right. And he, but he said he would have been able to go back out there if they needed him to. So uh, that was that that throw by Sam Howell on that play was amazing. It was one of the best throws I've seen from a guy that inexperienced in a while. He just threw it. He was getting pressure, threw it off his back foot. It was as close as you possibly could have gotten, and that was just good defense by Reed. Terry McLaurin almost had it, and it was cool the respect that the Eagles sideline was showing him like Nick Sirianni and Terry McLaurin were having a conversation. He was like, Oh, you almost got it. Like dapped it up. And Terry McLaurin seemed to be in pretty good spirits with that too. So that was cool that they have the mutual respect. I like Terry McLaurin a lot. And he almost, he almost ended this game way sooner than I would have liked, but our, our back seven was getting cooked and it was mainly because of Terrell Edmonds struggling to really find his place. He was good in run defense. Our run defense was fine. Uh, but when it came down to finding the spots in coverage, Sam Howell was able to pick us apart, and it just didn't work. I We were able to get pressure, but he was able to extend the plays, and it just helped Washington continue to push and get those yards that they needed. And we almost, the Eagles almost had him a few times. They Back when that last possession, they had to convert. A, they were at, what, third and, third and 19? Third and 22? Yeah. Something like that, and then they got, then they got close. They got a yard closer, and then they just went for it on fourth down and got it. So, it's we missed opportunities. The Eagles missed too many opportunities defensively. The again, the defensive front was getting pressure, and I'll break it down more on uh, Jalen Carter here as we go through his watch. But Sam Howell was twenty nine for forty one, two hundred ninety yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and he ran he ran for forty yards on six carries with that twenty yard run being his longest and. I just don't think the Eagles are ready for him. So we won a game that we shouldn't have won. There was a lot of things going against the Eagles with penalties, missed opportunities. Offensively, we were able to keep up. It was a, we're glad. I'm glad that Jalen Hurts and AJ had a great game, a big game, and were able to elevate the team to a victory there. So my big takeaway is I think this is a good building game. And again, we're 4-0. So... I can't complain about being 4-0, especially because now the road's going to get a lot harder. And you you still see the Eagles struggling to... No, not struggling. They're finding their rhythm slowly. And A.J. Brown said afterwards, he said, we're not trying to play our best ball in October, even though, you know, they, they are. They're trying to play as best as they can. But it's it was still... After watching it again, after kind of processing everything, the defense is a question. But the defense has been a question all year. 
And I'm interested to see next week when we play a legitimate, the, Matt Stafford will be the best quarterback that we have played so far. So I'm very interested to see how the Eagles do versus the Rams offense that has been pretty consistent through the air. So, yeah, you know, I have, I noticed something, um, you know, we're, we're coming up on week five now and I'm noticing Devonte Smith just hasn't really been doing much. Um, he, I know he was out one of those weeks, wasn't he? No, he's been, he's been healthy the whole time. His, his, him and the rules have been limited. Devonte has been a deep ball guy this year. He's been getting at least one deep ball a game and, the Vikings game he popped off when he had the three catches for 131 yards because he got two deep balls. So right. I think the scheme, I think the way we're using him is a little different. Now, going into that last, the final play that we had going into it, we knew that Devontae was going to be the one open. I was really curious with how the commanders lined up on that last play. When So on the play prior, Jalen Hurts gets pressured and just chucks the ball deep, which forces an intentional grounding and moves us out of field goal range. After DeAndre Swift, the two, you know, we had two straight run plays where DeAndre Swift chipped it away in overtime. So then the intentional grounding puts us back. So I would think with the response would be, okay, if I was, if I was Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, you know how good Jake Elliott is. You know how consistent he is. You know that he can hit a 61 yard field goal if you need him to. And they're right in that range where if you stop them on this play, they're out of field goal range. But if you give them even a few yards, they're within Jake Elliott's field goal range. So I was confused when I when the play that they called defensively was a zero blitz with off coverage. You're sitting six or seven yards back on Devontae and AJ, and then you're going to rush Jalen, and you're just going to give him the quick, easy throw. That was that yeah. was that was a mind blowing call to me because when I saw it, when I saw the replay, I was I was thinking to myself, why would they do that? Why would they call that? You got to pressure the receivers and make Jalen beat you that way. Don't just give him a cookie cutter throw which again i'm not going to complain about it the eagles capitalized and jake elliott mvp early mvp this season he's just been making all the big kicks for us keeping momentum on our side so i i was confused that was just poor coaching at the end and i am glad that we were able to capitalize on their mistakes and make up for some of the issues we were dealing with throughout the entire game my big thing though i think you know in terms of they they don't they had the time of possession on us to 35 minutes to about 30 for us so we each had 10 this each team had 10 possessions and the eagles and they each scored on seven out of the 10 possessions um which was interesting to see too so it was just neck and neck plays were kind of going one way or the other i'm just glad that we were able to the eagles were able to come out with that momentum like going into next week I am very interested for next week. This it's a kind of a trap game in my head. Yeah, you know i I like that uh, you guys played the commander in the same the commanders in the same week that the Niners played the Cardinals because for me, I think it's very similar um, matchups for for both our teams, given the the fact that for whatever reason the commanders match up really well against you guys at least the last you know few years and the same goes for the cardinals the cardinals have had the niners numbers for a number of years like um especially when kyler murray's been healthy we haven't figured out how to beat them when it comes to him scrambling like we were lucky that we had um well who was it colton was it colt colt mccoy ah, colt mccoy yeah colt mccoy 
last year. We were lucky to have him in, I think, both the games. And, you know, we were able to pick up both those um, wins. But it's it was fun to see both teams come out on top um, and both games be, in in a lot of ways, a competitive ball game. Um, obviously, you know, the Eagles game was closer than the Niners game. But there were some interesting things that I want to get into on both sides on the Niners and Cardinals. So. Sure. I think we can we can wrap up the Eagles. Um, it was a it was a good game. It was a good week and a great mm-hmm. win. You know, great teams they they find ways to win, and that's what you guys did. You know, absolutely. And a couple of final thoughts here. So, so Jalen uh, was actually this was his fifth straight win when uh, being down by ten or more points at any point in the game. Now, fun little stat that, that ESPN put out. This was the first time in 40 seasons. He's the first player in 40 seasons to have won five straight regular season games after being consecutive after being down 10 plus points. And the last quarterback to do that was none other than 49ers legend Joe Montana. So that was a cool that was a cool thing to see. Jalen's out here winning. And then on the other side of the ball, Jalen Carter and uh, Javon Hargrave have been in a trade off there. When I look at the numbers. Jalen Carter, let's see, he is he's third in pressures with 21. Javon Hargrave is second with 22. And then Jalen Carter is first in pressure rate with 21.2%. And Hargrave is at third with 18%. And Jalen Carter is first in hurries. I was really, it was cool to see the way Javon Hargrave has been dominating for the Niners. And then in return, Jalen Carter has been dominating for the Eagles. The win-win could just not have been better. And I think both players just fit seamlessly in their systems in their new systems better than we could have imagined. I was really happy yeah. to see that. Yeah. And I mean, we, we kind of talked about that um, the last week of the week before when um, when I mentioned, you know, uh, Jalen Carter is like a discounted just because he's, he's cheaper and he's younger version of, you know, of Hargrave. And I thought that was I thought it's awesome, especially to hear how close they are statistically and and the impact that they're having on on both teams it's it's really cool yeah and one thing i'm really excited about moving forward so last thing this will be the last thing on the eagles for jalen carter so they compared his numbers to aaron donald's rookie season so aaron donald's rookie season he had 713 snaps 44 pressures nine sacks and 29 hurries so jalen carter who only plays 40 who has only played 47 percent of the eagles snaps on defense this year so he's playing less than half the time I don't that it it just see it just emphasizes how efficient he's been. He's on pace for only 531 snaps, which is almost 200 less than Aaron Donald. But he would go instead of 44 pressures, he would he's on pace for 85 pressures, six sacks, and 68 hurries, which is unbelievably efficient based off of what he. And I think I think him not playing all the snaps does help his efficiency too. He's, he's fresh every time he goes in there, every time he's taking a snap, he's fresher. Fletcher Cox led the team in snaps of about 71%. So, and he's the oldest dude playing and he did really well. He's actually, he actually, uh, Fletcher Cox actually leads the league in quarterback hits for defensive tackles at, in his 12th season. So that was pretty cool to see too. But overall the defense needs work. I wonder if, Nakobe Dean coming Nakobe Dean coming back soon helps anything. I want Justin Evans back instead of Terrell Edmonds. I don't want to really see Terrell Edmonds, especially when we play good passing teams like the Rams coming up next week. So this that's my main thing. I I don't want to I 
we need to get healthy in certain spots or we need to figure out something different. I know there was rumors that we're in the uh, Chase Claypool mix for adding him as a backup or we're trying to find a safety and I don't know what to think. (laughs) If we get Chase Claypool, maybe as a fourth option, he wouldn't be the worst. But I don't like his attitude, so I hope we don't get him. Just so. just a little uh, a little preview. I don't know if you knew or not, but um, Cooper Cup's going to be healthy next week. Yeah, I saw that they um they took him off the uh, the pup list, so now he's on the twenty one yeah. day practice window. So he's questionable. That would be the mm-hmm. biggest thing to see. Now that was the, when he got injured. The goal when I read articles, the goal was that he's coming back, trying to come back by the Eagles game. So I'm. That's something we'll look at later. We'll see. we'll see what happens. So, but yeah, so that was it for the Eagles again. Four and zero. I can't complain. It's a, it's been ugly, but it's a part of the process. And every game that you win is just one step closer to, to the goal. So now we can move on to the Niners' dominant win over the uh, Cardinals. So, what do you what are your thoughts and takeaways from this game? Yeah, so the Niners won thirty five to sixteen um, in a ball game that felt closer than it was um until about halftime and that's it was a very Niners-esque game um at least of the last you know year and a half um looking at the stat line so Brock Purdy was 20 of 21 through the air for 283 yards and two touchdowns um he it, Brock is balling out man um I don't think there's at this point there's not much he hasn't proved um i continue to hear top analysts talk about him and they're like you know well he still needs to prove this or this or this and i'm just like i don't know i i feel like in my opinion he's he's done that obviously my opinion is biased but um i love what i saw from brock this week um you know to throw 20 to 21 is awesome cmc is mvp candidate unbelievable it's it's, it's getting kind of scary so 20 carries for 106 yards three rushing touchdowns and then seven receptions for 71 yards in a, in a rushing touchdown so four total touchdowns on the game um, I kind of wanted to see him punch it in instead of Brock on that on that goal line because <laughs> just get him the fifth one to match Jerry Rice on the all-time record but mm-hmm. um, it was it was really great to see CMC pop off again my oh, boy sure. BA Brandon Ayuk, man, six receptions for 148 yards, had a career game. And it was it was really good good to see him come back, bounce back from that injury. Um, and especially a game where Debo was visibly um shaken. You know, he was still he was still feeling whatever was going on, whether it was his ribs or it was his knee or his ankle. I can't um remember what it was. And that's what we were talking about going into this game. I, w- I remember mentioning, I was like, maybe it's now that I use healthy, maybe this is Debo's turn. Maybe not sit out, but maybe just not have him be a part of the offense as much as he needed to no, be. Exactly. And what was interesting is I saw Debo, um, he, uh, it was some kind of a, I think it was a running play and he took it from the backfield and you could see he was like running like 75%. And I'm not even kidding. It, was, it wasn't even close to full speed. And the second I saw him like get up to the line of scrimmage, I'm just like, yeah, this isn't this isn't top prime Debo. Like we need to be utilizing somebody else. And we started to, you know, Debo was still out there as a decoy in majority of the game. Um, but, you know, when you have guys like Brandon Ayuk, CMC, Brock throwing 20 for 21, and the one that he didn't complete was a throwaway on third down, like, you know, you can you can rely on those other guys to get it done. Um, 
So that was great to see. Hargrave, the lone sack of the game for us. And man, he, I love Hargrave. I love him so Isn't much. Isn't he great? He's an awesome dude. Him. So um, some, strength, some strengths I saw from us. Um, obviously, CMC and the run game popped off. Um, you know, our defensive line is is a force. There's no doubt about that. We are pressuring QBs at a high rate. Um, we're getting to we're getting to spots and forcing them to get out of the pocket. So I I do fear games against Jalen Hurts, games against Dak Prescott. Preview for next week. Um, you know, quarterbacks who who can escape that pocket and throw on the run or even just rush for a first down. We haven't necessarily seen that yet. So I think that'll be a great test for our um, defense to really see where we're at. Um, our linebackers are top notch, man. Dre Greenlaw and Fred Warner, I would argue with anybody are the top linebackers in the league right oh, now. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I also got to hand it to the coaching. Kyle Shanahan, he coached a really good game and I saw something, I don't know how accurate it was, but apparently in like before the game started, um, an Arizona player said that Kyle Shanahan walked past him, whoever this anonymous Arizona player was, okay. and went to the head coach and said, um, I hope you're ready because this is going to be um, a really hard game. Um, just, you know, be ready, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's interesting. Like, I don't, mm. I can kind of see Kyle doing that, but at the same time, like, aren't there rules behind other coaches going in other locker rooms? So I, I don't know. I, I wanted to like mention that just because I found it interesting. It, um, I, it definitely happened. It was one tweet I saw. Coaches. So I don't. Oh, a tweet? Yeah. It, it was, it was a tweet I saw from a, uh, from an analyst. And actually I, I didn't okay. mark who it was, but. I found it interesting. It was it was just kind of one of those situations where it's like, are you getting cocky? Because I don't know, it can bite us in the butt. It's a uh, it's a good thing to have that energy, but you know, you got again, if you walk the walk, you know that that's nothing else matters. But it's the Micah Parsons thing. Oh, gosh, but hey, they they walk the walk this week. Whatever, it's easy when you go against Mac Jones, but whatever. But um, I really liked. So going back to Brock, so. Now, I believe that you guys, now that I've seen it, you know, the way the offense has just been humming, this team is capable of winning a Super Bowl for sure with Brock Purdy. The one concern that people have been mentioning is the fact that he really hasn't faced a level of adversity that other quarterbacks have had yet. And that's not his fault. This is the product of being just the better overall team than damn near everyone else you face. So... Yeah. There was the stat that mentioned how the Brock's time of being um, ahead versus not being or versus him trailing. And it was it was something like he was 55. So I, I know that it was something ridiculous that he, he was only trailing for like two minutes of his career, like something yeah. like that. And or two hours or something. It was it, I forget how the time went, but he was he hasn't really trailed before now that. I don't I do absolutely believe that if behind you guys are the kind of team that would be able to come back no problem. The question is just can he do it? They want to see people want to see what kind of throws he can make in that kind of situation. Like we watched Jalen come back multiple times down big score and lead his team to win. So then when you see that 
translate and then he has a good Super Bowl, then people give him a little more respect for it because he does win those tough games. So that's, I think, that's the only knock that you could possibly have on Brock now, considering how well he's been playing. He's top 10 in every single metric. He, he is playing like a top 10 quarterback. And he's exactly the perfect quarterback for this system. This is a this is one of the best marriages I've ever seen. And he's he's already moved past Garoppolo in terms of effectiveness within this system. And oh, yeah. the things that he can do elevate this offense. And everybody loves him and they respect him as a leader. I think Brock can lead you guys to the promised land. And he's won every game that he hasn't been sent to the hospital for. So, so it's... Yeah, uh, thanks for that. Yeah. So hopefully... Hopefully it's a nice cleaner game this time around. So agree. No, but, and, yeah. and you bring up a great point. Um, and I'm, I want to see him in that situation. I don't want to see my team losing by any, you know, by any stretch, <laughs> but I want to see him in that situation. Cause I, I feel like that is probably the last barrier, the last wall that Brock needs to break down for everybody. And also himself, I'm sure. And just see how good, he actually is in in certain situations so maybe we see that this week you know we've got a, a strong team coming up that we'll you know we'll get into that tomorrow for sure but yeah so, no I, this was this was going to be the best test for him and your schedule will get tougher you guys will face tougher teams you still got to play the eagles you still have to play the ravens the Bengals don't count as a tough team anymore but you it'll you guys still have games it, it's weird definitely. now how the early season have went though your schedule looks weaker now than it did to start the season considering how some of these teams have played so that's something yeah. i noticed i had a i had a a neighbor of mine actually he's a rams fan and he told me today he was like yeah you guys have like one of the easiest schedules in the league and yada yada and i was like it's funny that he says that because like you said going into it we didn't have one of the easiest schedules we didn't really look didn't like it. it just yeah, it panned out that way because look at how these teams are performing. Look at the certain situations who they've lost. You know, it's it's not shaken down the way anybody expected, and that's mm -hmm. the beauty of the game of football. So, um, it's about time you guys you know, have, with that, you, got, you guys have been the one getting hurt all the time. So it's about time that it happens to everybody else around you guys. Honestly, you guys, you guys well, get it, you need the break. And I will take I will take a um, favorable schedule any day of the week. Like last year, I was giving you crap every week because I was like, "You guys haven't played anybody. You guys haven't played anybody." But I'm like, I'm over here and I'm like, I wish I could play nobody, you know? Right, and like, right. And end up first in the NFC and at least you know, knock off the teams that you're supposed to knock off, and then prove that you de you deserve to be a Super Bowl team in the playoffs. And that's that's what you guys did. You showed out. Like yeah. it was. It was everything that, you know, a Super Bowl run season needed to be. So I'm I'm just hoping we can do something similar to that. Yeah, um, so far, so good. I mean, you guys are dominating the teams that you should be dominating, like and in in a pretty impressive fashion, even when you're not playing at your best. It's it's I, remarkable. You guys are doing the things you should be. Agreed. And, you know, with that, there are some glaring weaknesses that stand out to me. Um, and it's it's a couple minor ones, but they're ones that could get extremely exposed this week. Um, I've always, I've been saying it for the last year. Um, our secondary is, is so inconsistent. It is, it is definitely the weakest link on our team. Uh, sorry, on the Niners. Like it's, 
at this point, Ambry Thomas, Diamond you know, Lenore, um, they're getting burned on every other play. It's it's gross. Um, I need to see them be a little more consistent. Um, where I see them get the most burned are on hurry up plays. And that's, you know, end of the quarter or rather end of each half, end of the game. And this is where I get really nervous if we're up two points, three points on the Cowboys, you know, or, or a really good team who can march down the field and they have 45 seconds left and three timeouts, you know, right. And they're what, hustling and they're hustling. Yeah. You can't can make we the switches. Or are we, or is Steve Wilkes just going to put us in, in a soft coverage because he can't trust that our secondary is going to do what it I, needs to do. I noticed that. I noticed a ton of soft coverage, which was so interesting. Michael Wilson was had another great game too. The way that, they're setting into the zones. This is very similar to what we were seeing with Decide. They're just calling soft coverage, back it up a little bit, don't let them beat you. But at the same time, you're just letting them get where they want to. But if you don't do a soft coverage with these guys, they get burned right away. And then it's a deep ball and it's 75 yards. We're at, you know, over 12 seconds, whereas it could only be um, five seconds and 13 yards. So right, at worst, he's got he's got to give us that buffer, knowing the players that he's got lining up on the sides there. Right, and that's the risk that both the Eagles and the Niners face when we both have both teams have such electric pass rushes that if yeah. they're not getting home, our back sevens are failing, and it's it's very it's showing consistently. And you, that yep. Stafford Stafford did that against you guys, and uh, I'm <laughs> it'll happen this week uh, for sure. I'm I'm not even going to question that, but we'll talk that later but i i agree that Definitely. you guys the niners are going to go up against cd lamb brandon cooks they're tight end, the cowboys tight ends can't make catches for anything apparently but the mike mccarthy's a good play caller it'll be interesting to see how steve wilkes approaches it and i and it's not like this is steve wilkes's first rodeo either so he needs to make adjustments right. and put you put the team in positions to win and i yeah. i completely agree that if there was one thing that was a little sketchy, it was the back coverage for the Niners. Yeah, we made we made Michael Wilson look really good. However, he did look pretty good. Um, you know, I'll get I'll get into the cards here. So Josh Dobbs got to hand it to him, man. He's 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 looking good. He he really is. He's not looking like he's gonna take the starting role from the Cardinals, you know, um, or for the Cardinals. I, I think that Kyler's still got that locked up just because of the diversity that he gives that offense. You can just do so much more with him. I agree. Um, but to have Josh Jobs as a backup is awesome. That's, that's like all you can ask for, right? It's just a game manager. And that's exactly what he does. Um, you know, 28 of 41, 265 yards, two touchdowns. He, he played a great game. Um, He's increasing his trade value. He that absolutely only helped, is. That only helps Cardinals. Absolutely. And he made Marquise Brown look really good. Seven receptions, 96 yards. Michael Wilson, seven receptions for 76 yards and two touchdowns. Breakout. And that second, I think it was the second touchdown that Wilson had was, that was so nice. Um, it was the one right before halftime. And right, right. He just, he reeled it in to his chest and got the knee down in bounds. And I was like, I was so upset about it, but I was like, God, that was such a good play. Like, got to respect I it. Can't, I can't be that mad at it. Yeah, so no, they played really well. And it, what did, was there turnovers? Did you guys get a fumble interception? No turnovers to note on the entire game. Same. <laughs> so it was weird how yeah, it worked out. Clean games. And 
the the Cardinals have potential. This was just another game where your superior talent does just show out. And they they don't have anybody of note on defense that wasn't a former Eagles player at one point. Their front line has nobody that I can name off the top of my head. No. So they weren't able to get pressure on Brock in a consistent fashion. So Yeah. Um you know, I gotta hand it to Jonathan Gannon too. He's he's a good coach. He better than I expected. He's had his team ready every single week. Um, there hasn't been a game that they haven't been in at one point or another. And that's not just a zero zero ball game. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like they they made a game out of everything. Um, and that's all you can ask for, especially in a team that was plotted to be completely tanking, right? I thought they were and gonna have the number one pick. I I did too. I I thought they had one of the best shots at it. And now I'm wondering, you know, are they just going to float mid? I don't, because I don't think that they're, I don't think that they're better than the Rams. I think it's, and I I know they're not better than the Seahawks. So I think they're still bottom of our division. They could look better when Kyler gets back. And that's true. And I I don't know that window, actually. I think they said it was, they said the soonest he could come back is like week eight. So they they could lose a lot more games up until then, but they could they could at least get Tyler going in the system or Kyler Kyler going in the system, learning you know him and Jonathan Gannon can build a rapport and see if there's something there. But I mean, hey, if nothing's yeah. there, you got Josh Dobbs, and that's a workable piece. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, yeah, definitely got to hand it to their O line to the Cardinals O line. They uh, they only allowed one sack on the whole game. That's did a good job. Yeah, that's that's a hard defensive line to stop. And not only did they stop it, but they gave Josh Dobbs time. Like he and you know, he looks composed because he had that time to kind of figure out what he was going to do with the ball. He went through his progressions and if it wasn't there, you know, it wasn't there. Right. So, a few weaknesses for the Cardinals is they had nine penalties for 55 yards. You know, nine penalties you don't you don't want to you don't want to have that many. Um, no, you know, third down efficiency. They were eight of fifteen, which actually is is pretty decent. But it's pretty solid. The third downs that they had were there were some short ones that they weren't converting on, and it was it was just it's kind of a testament to like it's a young team, inexperienced team. Situationally, they were against one of the top defenses, um, so. You know, there was definitely some glaring talent missing in certain spots, but no denying, man, they played a great game. Got a hand of the cards, but oh yeah, Niners on the road too, baby. That's right, yes sir. Bang bang, four and zero for both of us. I'm really happy about it. I liked what I saw from you guys. You guys look like the most dominant team in football, at least all around. Obviously, the, the top three teams in the NFC all feel like they have the same kind of weakness, which is very interesting. The back end, you know the the defensive backs for all these teams don't seem that great. Now the Cowboys lit it up against the Patriots, but the Patriots don't have any regular, any receivers of note. They just had a good game plan for them. And I think they're, I think, I think this game might be a shootout for the Niners and Cowboys next week. It'll be very, it's going to be the game of the week for a reason. Definitely. So any final thoughts on the Niners before we move on to our positives and negatives? No, man. Uh, Just really happy. Really happy. Same. Same. And hopefully we can continue. That that's the that's the goal. All the hype, you know, leaning into the week thirteen matchup for sure. It's it's slowly what, brewing. What awesome content we can give you guys. Just 
two of our teams just four and oh like you can't ask for much more it's a great feeling none of us we neither one of us have experienced depression yet so we're we're doing great it's true so with that being said we will move on so first ben you want to you want to inform the nation here uh how you did on your picks I would love to. So I anticipated I'd have a pretty good record in this week, and I was <laughs> correct. Oh, I, my record on the week was twelve and four. My record on the season is thirty six and twenty eight. Wow, that's awesome! Jet is flying high this week, that's for sure. I did pretty well as well. Uh, looking into it, you and I were texting back and forth. We both thought that we were going to do really poorly moving into this, and when I calculated mine, I was eleven and five. So you said what was what was your record? Your your overall record? My overall thirty six and twenty eight. So that would put me at forty and twenty four. You are now four mm-hmm. games behind me with that one. You're catching up bit by bit. I'm gonna so get you. I gotta I gotta start, you know, we're back in the double digits, so we gotta keep pushing it. <laughs> but this is a good week for both of us, so I, we're Definitely. pretty happy to see. So with that, like I will always ask you, how are you feeling this week? Are you feeling positive or negative? How do you wanna start this off? I feel like I've felt pretty negative the last few weeks um and so i went into this week and i was like what really stood out to me positively Mm -hmm. and i'm just gonna kick us off with my first positive um i asked for it last week and this guy i asked for him to to have a vintage play i wanted to see him actually do something i wanted to poke him with a stick and I think he heard me. He must be listening to the pod. So Derrick Henry, man, 22 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown run, that was a vintage beast mode, man. It, it was, was awesome. It was so good to see. Um, and really nice to see, you know, the Titans come away with a dominant win against a team that, well, <laughs> I'll leave that for a little bit later. Correct. And it was good to see him throw a touchdown pass too. It is there yeah. was this insane stat about his touchdown passes. He's only I think he's only missed he's like seven of eight now, and he has four touchdown passes in his career. Wow. He's like he hasn't he's only missed one throw and he's all he's also converted like an insane amount for touchdowns, which is interesting to see. Crazy. So he's throwing he's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson. But you know, this, <laughs> hey, he played well. I gotta give him his dubs. He 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 gets him he gives himself another week. But no, uh Derrick Henry, we were right. We we had to. We were hoping for a vintage run, a vintage game, and they they kind of mollywopped them. They they took it to them. So I was happy to see it. At least we were right on that pick. So, um, my first positive. I gotta switch things here. My first positive, same as last week. I gotta I gotta give him his props. I thought he was gonna get his first interception this week. C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Yeah. They're frisky. They're frisky. They bodied the Steelers 30 to 6 and what's this thing now he's fifth in the league in uh passing yards and he has six touchdowns with no interceptions and he beat two teams that I had in the playoffs going in the AFC so they're finding a rhythm Nico Collins Tank Dell and them D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud they're 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 cooking up something nice and that defense played really well and poor Kenny Pickett got hurt and they said that I think they said he was good to go, like he should be good to go, but he it was that, a it was yeah. just a like a bone bruise or something right some light. right. So it wasn't fun to see in the moment. It looked like he got hurt pretty bad, but yeah, they showed out. Yeah, so uh, they get my props. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, D'Amico's he's 
he's figuring out his team and it's, it's kind of showing, um, not kind of, it's showing, <laughs> you know, he, he understands the guys that he has. He knows that he's limited in certain things that he can do, but he also knows that there are, there are some strengths and I think he's utilizing those. And one of those strengths, it's, it seems to be CJ Stroud, man. He's, he's, he's balling out. He's the best QB in this class. They made the perfect pick. I, I feel like yeah. the Panthers are semi regretting their pick. All right. So who do you have? What what do you have for your second positive? Believe it or not, this guy was on my negative last week and he's on my positives this week. I got to hand it to Zach Wilson. He, he played <laughs> a pretty good game. All things considered. I know he sold the game at the very end when he, he didn't oh. need to freaking do it. And it was frustrating and it was annoying. And it was a, it was a very Zach Wilson play, right? Right, given but, everything was going. But being down 17-0 inside of a stadium that you should be calling your home and you're getting booed week in and week out, you're getting absolute threats thrown at you as you're walking to the locker room and you still manage to come back into a ball game and and make it interesting, you got to hand it to him. I mean, that he fought through a lot of adversity this week. And, uh, you know, I I'd be curious to see what he does next week. I definitely kind of got my eye on him to see, is this just a fluke or was this, did he kind of round a corner in terms of having, you know, the team behind him? Cause I know this week the jets really rallied behind Zach Wilson. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers so, uh, surprised them. Right. And showed up. up to the hotel. Yeah. Showed up to the hotel unexpected. The only guy that knew about it was head coach Robert Salah. So, <laughs> That was that was pretty cool, and I think it definitely gave them like a spark, and especially for someone like Zach, who, you know, he feels like he doesn't have anybody on his back to help him right now. He just feels like everybody's against him. To have guys rally behind him, especially Aaron Rodgers, because I know Aaron is he's he can't be talking smack about him. Like he's that's I know he hasn't been a great leader, but that's his backup. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I agree. Uh, this is this was one of the few performances, one of the few QBs who can come out and say, "Hey, I outplayed Patrick Mahomes." <laughs> it's Patrick Mahomes almost had three interceptions. They called, and the, there was a couple of egregious calls missed in this game that could have gone both ways. Um, but no, Zach Wilson earned himself a another week of maybe grace. Doesn't mean that he's uh doesn't mean that he's turned a corner. Doesn't mean that he's figured everything out. Um, I do think that there's we might just see him go back to the Zach of old, depending on how they scheme everything up. But Hey, they stepped up when they needed to. They didn't fold the way everyone thought they would, like you mentioned down 17. Oh, and uh, they didn't let the Taylor Swift effect really uh, get them until the end there. So, <laughs> but it was, uh, I, it was disappointing that uh, despite how well he was playing that it ends so perfectly on a miffed, you know, handoff or, when he's getting snaps of the ball, he just drops it. And he came, yeah, he came he out and said that he couldn't do it. Off of it. Yeah, and you can't do that. And he said Bro. he knew that. He's like, I can't do that. I need to be better. But it was cool to see the guys rally around him after and say, hey, like, it happens. The guys seem to support him. It just hasn't translated yeah. yet. So, but then we'll move on to uh, my second positive, what I have here. So my second positive was Josh Allen and the Bills flexing their muscles on All America's down. on America's favorite team here. So they really took it to the Dolphins and he had a perfect game. Now last week they dominated the Commanders 
and he didn't play he didn't need to play that great but this was a good overall showing from both offense and defense now negative for the bills Tredavious white tore his achilles he's out for the season which sucks because he just got back from a major injury so it's disappointing to see that but overall they still they still really took it to him and i think they staked their claim as the best team in the uh, afc for now but this happened last September. They were the September champs of the AFC. They were popping off, and then they just kind of choked and fell off a cliff. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue this. But they definitely look like the best team in the AFC East now. And I think maybe people were, despite the historic 70 points, you're still overlooking the fact that it is the hapless Broncos who allowed the Bears to put 28 points on them. And they should have lost that game too. So... Maybe then, then when they go up, they rode that high into a real team and Tua even came out and said it was humbling, which is good. You know, every, every team needs to motivate that, feel that motivation. Uh, but I think the bills really just came out prepared and they were ready. They, they wanted the hype back on their side. So now they got the hype back. Now it's time to see if they can live up to it, but they were a positive for sure. No, I agree. Um, yeah, it was, it was a very highly anticipated game and it ended up being pretty one-sided and uh it was it was fun to see how that played out because there was all that hype going into it and you know definitely got a hand to the bills on that they they did ball out this week and especially josh allen so it, it was back and forth for sure so yeah another team so my next positive is another team that balled out this week i don't like them i've okay. never liked them because they're in my division <laughs> I got to hand it to the Seahawks, man. Um, They made the Giants look terrible. Now, maybe it was more a testament of just how bad the Giants are, but I think both things seem eleven. Absolutely, eleven sacks, two interceptions, one fumble. Um, (laughs) Wow, that was one of them was a pick six too. Slaughter. Yeah, yeah. If Uh, if the Seahawks offense was any more aggressive and um, I I don't want to say talented because it's not like they lack talent. If they just had it going that game, that could have been an enormous blowout. I'm talking like 53 to three. Yeah. It was interesting to see the fact that Gino only had a hundred, 110 passing yards. And obviously he had to leave for a little bit and came back. But the fact that you can just dominate a team that badly I would definitely miscalculated. <laughs> I was, uh, um, I, I might have to, I might have to quit on the Giants sooner than I thought. And we'll break it down here in a little bit because I, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely something that I don't feel so great about. But yeah, no. And shout out to Devon Winterspoon, the fifth, uh, fifth overall pick, getting his first pick six, just showing how dominating. And he, the funny part is, he leads the entire rookie draft class in sacks with two. Out of boy. So he's a corner just out here doing things that they shouldn't be doing. He's great for uh, Pete Carroll defense. That's he, that kind of energy that a Seahawks defender should have. He's the perfect fit for them. I genuinely felt bad for Danny Dimes when he threw that pick six. Yeah. I, oh. I was yeah, watching him run. Yeah, I was watching him just run it back, and I'm just sitting there like, "There's no way this is happening." Yeah. <laughs> did, did you see what they asked Brian Dable? They're like, oh, what would you, uh, what would you have, you know, what happened on Daniel's pick six? What would you not have wanted to happen? He's like, I wouldn't have wanted him to throw a pick six. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And he threw, he goes up to Daniel Jones. He has the, the, uh, iPad 
and then he just mm-hmm. or the tablet and then he just throws it like on the bench and just walks away he was visibly frustrated that was that was just i would be too if my quarterback threw that ugly of a pick six yeah right there and i mean hey you're getting sacked 10 times that's also a product of struggling he had Absolutely. he had decent numbers with that too they were moving but you can't you can't get sacked 10 times in a game and the 11th one was a receiver they sacked paris campbell the receiver <laughs> so you're you're they're sacking everybody and that's just you can't do that you can't no. do that it was so disappointing and that was at new york again just abysmal showing at home i don't know i don't know what giants fans can feel right now so or new york fans exactly new york in general you're right so let me see here so my last uh positive is the lions and the ravens for the same reason they both took control of their divisions this week and in pretty decent fashion too so obviously the lions dominated thursday night against the packers who were looking pretty good up until then and then and they didn't have to do anything too spectacular. Jared Goff didn't, you know, didn't really have that great of a game, but they're a good, a much better overall team, and they seem to have found the rhythm now. And to take advantage of that division, which is sucking right now with the Vikings and the Bears, the Packers were the only real enemy that you needed to beat, and the fact that you looked that good against them, that's great. And then you go on the other side to the Ravens, where they mollywopped the Browns in a weird way because Deshaun Watson was cleared to play, and he went to the coaching staff and said he didn't want to play. Like he, yeah. he, he kept himself out, which was so not what you want to hear from your leader. And we picked, I, I know both of us picked the Browns, assuming that he was going to play, not Dorian Thompson Robinson. And that poor, that poor rookie just looked lost and didn't really know what to do with missing throws. And the Ravens didn't have to play that great, but Lamar looked great. It looked super balanced on both sides. The whole team in general was capitalizing. He did. They did turn the ball over a few times, but that defense was forcing just as many turnovers due to the fact that they didn't have anybody on offense who could really go. So given the state of the AFC North, everyone thought the AFC North was going to be the best division in the league. And Joe Burrow hurt. Steelers kind of struggling. And the Browns just with their injuries and their dysfunction is just, I think the Ravens have separated themselves. So that makes some positives in my book. I like that. Yeah. So are you ready to move on to your negatives? I am absolutely ready to move on to the negatives. And I believe that we're going to share one or two, maybe three of the same negatives. Ooh, let's get into it. All right. So hit me with it. My first negative, the Bengals. I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm genuinely upset. Why the hell are they still playing Burrow? especially this week, you and I discussed it. This was the week you sit him. Going into it, you had a chance to win. Obviously, you didn't win, and yet Burrow still played. So it was a lose-lose. It's not like, yeah, it's not like you you gained anything from this week. In fact, you lost that much more. Um, Jamar Chase is is not happy. He's, (laughs) I don't, you know, if you saw that interview, he was like, I'm always effing open, like, you know. Passing the ball, and, and he can't throw. He can't reach him. They can't. They have to run no. plays that don't go to Jamar's strengths. Yep. It was um, so. Yeah. I I'm upset with the Bengals. Um, they they have been extremely underwhelming for me, and that's upsetting because I had them going extremely deep in the playoffs. Same you. Yeah, you and I had us. Um, you and I had them as our Super Bowl picks for the AFC. Yep. So. My biggest thing here, oh, sorry, give me one second. I have to look at something here. 
my biggest thing that I noticed here was that Joe Burrow is playing worse than Zach Wilson. And he has, he is actually yeah. playing worse. He has a worse completion percentage and a lower passer rating. And Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow is the first quarterback in NFL history to attempt at least 150 passes in his team's first four games of the season and average fewer than five yards per attempt on those passes. So he's the first quarterback ever. There's never been an offense that doesn't go forward or throw. There's Dinkin and Duncan, one step drop, first read that you find. There, there's no explosiveness here, and they're saying that Zach Taylor is coming out and saying he's healthy. He's not healthy. He is very visibly not healthy. It doesn't he matter. Be. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. He's healthy. What does that mean then? What is as a as a team? He's playing like the worst starting quarterback in the league. Do you not think that even if you're getting bottom five production, why not put in Reedson at AJ McCarron, someone who can at least throw the ball twenty plus yards without tearing their calf, yeah. and you're paying this dude a ton of money. Let him rest. If you have to take the owls, that's fine. This might just be now we're getting to the point where if you rest him next week and you lose your punting on the season, you put yourself in a position where you could have given your, him another week. Probably wouldn't have looked any better. I don't think this is something he recovers from soon. This is something that's going to take six to eight weeks to, for him to really feel a hundred percent. And do and I, I don't I don't know what to say. It's so disappointing. And I understand that nobody wants to give up on their team and players don't do that. They just don't feel that way. But now you're having a player who defended him early. He been someone who played in college with Burrow and Jamar. And he's saying, I've never seen him play through an injury like this. I've never seen him play like this. This is, it's very visible now. And it's starting to affect the other players on the team, knowing that they're changing everything and putting their hamstring in the offense because of the way they can't they can't move the same they should and that's just bad coaching this is just i think that if i were the coach i'm like listen you're great we appreciate all the effort you're wanting to give but you're not doing it for us now do we have multiple weeks of you not doing it for us we need to do something different so you can get healthy so we can get back to what we're doing best we can get back to what you're we're paying you for now if you if he's hurt and then you're just wasting money because he can't come back but you still have to pay him because you owed him all this money What's the point? Where where's the win here? I don't see a win at all. Disappointing. That was that was absolutely a negative. I was seething with the fact that he was still in. And when you're getting bodied twenty eight three, you might as well just take him out at halftime to cut your losses. I don't understand. It just it's it's very Bengals esque in my opinion. Of it just yeah. I'm I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm just getting upset. So that was definitely one of your negatives. Am I right? That was, that? that was my top negative. Yes. So but, what's, what's your second negative? So my second negative, we're going to, we're going to go back to the giants here. So my negative on the giants is not Daniel Jones, but how the giants handled the signing of Daniel Jones. This was the, this was one of the most mismanaged, signings in recent memory this is exactly the kind of situation why you have a franchise tag because you could have paid saquon a little bit more money maybe kept him and then franchise tag daniel jones this would have happened and then you're like oh great we don't have to pay him four years 160 million dollars they said no we're going to commit we believe that he can improve because if we upgrade a little bit he should be able to improve too and sometimes you swing and you miss and this was as big as a miss as most teams is out of recent memories and this they can't get they can't get rid of him for another two years they could cut him they're not going to take as big as a cap hit as like giving up russell wilson or deshaun watson but 
you're still setting yourself back. Now you're set, putting yourself in a position now where you got, you're forced to look at these college quarterbacks and say, who's going to be this replacement? Because we're not going to ride with him. Yeah, I mean, the coaches, Brian Dable is very clearly giving up on him. And this is on primetime games. He's won for, what, 13 now? So he he just he can't win. He's not a winner. He can, everyone's trying so hard to hold on to him. They want to prove that they got this pick right, and they didn't. And they need to punt on him now. And they can't punt on him now. So they're stuck. And now they're going to – it's just it's just a terrible situation. Really, really bad handling of a player. I was so disappointed yeah. to see it. I uh, So my second negative is – we'll just build off of it because my second negative is actually in the Giants. But I it's interesting you mentioned, you know, that – the signing of, of him was, was bad. I agree with you. Um, I actually think a lot of his struggle has to do with the Giants O-line, um, or rather the Giants zero line, because right. it seems like to me there's, there's, he doesn't have any time to do anything. How can you, how can you expect a quarterback to drop back in his, you know, in his five-step motion and then the second he he hits his back foot, he's got to escape out of there. When he's not, he's not an escape artist. This is not who Danny is. He's not meant to do that. He's not meant to throw on the run. He's meant to drop back in the pocket, get protection, and find the right read. And when he he has had the time to do that, which he had last year, he was actually doing well. And so, I to me, I believe the glaring issue isn't so much on Daniel as it is on that O-line. You know, they gave up 11 sacks in yeah. one game. I know it's happened before, but that's an egregious number. Like, yeah, absolutely. It's just it to me they're setting him up for failure. They're setting themselves up for failure because of how they handled that situation. It's it's just a lose-lose situation over you know, over right. in New York. You could have franchise tagged him and then used those resources to upgrade even more. And they didn't get do no that. line. Yeah. Get no line. And Andrew Thomas was supposed to be one of the best left tackles. And now he's hurt and he's no, and he never played well when he was playing this year anyway. So yeah. this is just, this is just bad. And now they're kind of stuck with a lot of these players and they might have to clean house sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, which is, it might be the move to do. Uh, so with that, what is your, what is, let me see here. What is the third negative that we have here? This is a personal one. This is a personal biased Philadelphia Eagles based negative for it's a, not a negative for me, but it's a negative for all the brotherly shove haters out there. This I wanted to, I wanted to go for a bias here because the, we obviously watched the giants attempts this against the Seahawks. Now we're seeing, as much as people want to complain about it, I think teams are finally starting to stop complaining and maybe, hey, put it to use. Maybe maybe try to practice it yourself. Maybe try to make it work instead of bitching about the Eagles just being so successful at it because we actually chose to practice this play because we realized it's an overpowered play. So you watch the Giants fail at it. And even worse, Brian Dable admits that they didn't practice that play once and then two of their players get hurt doing that play Daniel Bellinger and another player got hurt on that play and it's funny when you watch a team fail like that but then you look at the Cardinals who did that against the Niners and they had a couple times where it worked and that comes from 
practicing because Jonathan Gannon, a former Philadelphia Eagles coach, understands that that play works. The Indianapolis Colts, Shane Steichen, Eagles offensive coordinator last year, runs the same play. Now, they failed earlier in the year, but they've done it before. You bring that system in. You've, you've seen the Bills do it. I think, what, the Niners did it once? So you're, times. so you're seeing teams do it now. And I'm just tired of the narrative that this is just some overpowered play that needs to be taken out when this play has always been available to the league since 2005. So if this yep. was such an issue, why are we now complaining about it? No, it's because one team just does it better than everybody else. Just because one team or one person does something better than everybody else. So should we just outlaw Steph from shooting threes? Should we just tell LeBron not to dunk? You know, like it's when you do... It's, you guys got to catch up. Jack Del Rio complained saying uh, he's a defensive coordinator for the uh, commanders. He complained that, oh, why, you know, we're bringing a rug rugby play into football. We, we weren't bringing it in. It was always there. Nobody just bothered to do it. Everyone did the QB sneak differently. And we, when you have a smart coach who looks at the rules, hey, what can we do here? Oh, we can do this? Okay, let's do it. And then we just practice it and we have the personnel to do it. And that's also another thing. So I'm, it's a negative for the people who think that this is a dumb play and it needs to be outlawed. I'm tired of it. Everyone should just get with the program and start doing it, and it won't be an issue anymore. Because when you look at it, if more teams did it and executed on fourth and one, and they were in that position, it just extends drives. It keeps people in it. Nobody's going to complain if their team succeeds on it. They just complain when they're put in that position. Then don't allow your team to go into fourth and one. That's the defense's job. Yeah, I feel like you have two choices as as a franchise and as a coach. You either complain about it, like majority of these coaches and franchises are doing, or you practice it and get good at it and use it because you've seen it work so well for a team that got all the way to a Super Bowl doing it on fourth down every freaking time. You got exactly. like 90% success rate with it. Exactly. Figure out a way to do that yourself. Stop complaining. No, I agree. I I don't. I have no issue with the play. I hate seeing it when it's used <laughs> against us because I'm like, this sucks, man. There's no way to stop it. Like there really isn't. If you practice it, it's so effective. But then when I see my guys lined up and it's a yard, yard and a half um, away from a first down and it's fourth, fourth down, I don't care where on the field we are. I feel pretty confident that we're going to get it done. Right. <laughs> so I was, I was, I'm just tired of hearing the narrative. That's why it's a Agreed. negative for me. It just shouldn't be something we've been talked about. It, every time the Eagles do it, they have to post it. Oh, tush push, brotherly shove, whatever. Oh my God, the Eagles did it again. Shut up. It doesn't yeah. matter. We're going to keep doing it, whether you like it or not. And you yep. complaining about it doesn't change anything. They thought about it over the offseason. They had the chance to get rid of it. Guess what? They're like, it's a legal play. Maybe teams should just stop it. I don't know. So that definitely grinded my gears a little bit when I was <laughs> just thinking about it this I feel week. It. I'm tired that's, of it. That's dude. absolutely okay. I, it's it's a hundred percent. You are welcome to feel that way. <laughs> God. So, All right. I'll, I'll get into my final negative here. And believe it or not, this is a guy I never expected to have on my negative list. But I, I kind of feel like I had to throw him on here just because I may never get the chance to again. Okay. Um, I'm intrigued. I know the Chiefs won, <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes has not looked like himself this year mm -mm. and this week, especially, um, you know, he threw two interceptions that were very not Patrick Mahomes and almost should have been a third. Um, this season he ranks fourth behind Josh Allen, Tua and Brock Purdy. So statistically he's not been terrible, but 
when you think of Patrick Mahomes and you think of what he brings to the Chiefs, um, you think of somebody who essentially doesn't make mistakes and you think of a player who um, he'll make a winning play every single time he has the ball in his hand. And I'm not seeing the winning plays every single time. I'm seeing, I'm seeing winning plays, but I'm also seeing the, um, the drives that come to a complete halt in the middle of the field where they have to kick it away. Right. And, you know, I'm seeing him having to throw it away more, more consistently to a sideline rather than somehow sneak it into Kelsey, you know, in the middle of the field going against the, the rule of don't throw over the center of the field. You know, it's, mm-hmm. there's the things we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes do. He's not doing it right now. And I, I, uh, I noticed I that know, it's like, I know that the chiefs are winning, right? right. But I just I want to see a little bit more out of Patty. My question is, for when you watch him, does it ever look like, especially this year, does it look like he's thrown a normal ball like that isn't like a sidearm or him moving, not just like set and squared and actually firing a ball like it's, normal? It's like the James Harden step back man. It's he so never takes weird. a stationary jump shot. It's so weird, and he's so it's yeah. like that. And then he sh- it's like in basketball reference, he's shooting it from forty feet. He's do- trying to do that, and I I think he's just bored. I think he's bored of winning at this point. <laughs> like he's like, oh, what can I do? Maybe I can add this later when it really matters. I swear he's just practicing. Like I I don't think he's taking these games as seriously as he could be. So that was that's something I I completely agree. He has not. This was arguably the worst game of his career in terms of just statistically. So that was definitely interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. that's a good that's a good negative to have. You know, I, I ne- I'm never probably never going to be able to put him up there again, but I this felt is... like I had to this this week because I, I watched that game and genuinely I was I was wondering where Patrick Mahomes was. Yeah, he didn't look he didn't look comfortable, honestly. No. And he and he knew he was when he was making those mistakes. He was like, man, that's on me. Like, I'm not really playing my, my best, but he it's, yeah. it seems. But at the same time, he just looks so unbothered. It kind of pisses me off a little bit. No. That's how you know you're just that good when you're just trying around, messing around, and it doesn't really matter what you do. You're still going to win somehow, which is so annoying. The the, un, the unfortunate reality, I guess not unfortunate. The reality of it is he can throw five picks in one game. He will never will, but he could <laughs> and still drive down the field in 13 seconds and win the ball game. Right. Or scramble on a third and 22 or whatever it was yeah. when even though the left tackle was clearly holding uh, right. Jermaine Johnson. But either way. You're still, he, and he's the, there was a weird stat on him. He's been the most like effective scrambler. Not, that doesn't mean he's the best, but when you take away, uh, they did the stat where they, when you take away carries that he's not kneeling, he averages 7.3 yards a carry and Lamar is next at 6.8. So he's out here averaging a whole half a yard better. And just, he just seems to make these timely backbreaking plays that you shouldn't be, that he shouldn't, you know, oh, we got the play. Like he's going to get there. We're going to get, we're going to get him, And then he just runs for 20 yards at the worst yeah. time. And you just can't recover from it. I hate that's happened in the super bowl that happened on his way to the super bowl. It was so it's frustrating to see how effective he is. Cause just he's sneaky athletic. Everyone. He, they don't. Yeah. He's one of those guys that the Niners struggle with containing. He's one of those guys who takes off out of the pocket. It's like I was saying. Yeah, those, that's how you beat a good pass rush is just being able to step up. Because the good yep. pass rushes, we, we noticed if we're not getting them in the middle, we're going on the outside because our guys are just so dominated going around. 
when you step up, sometimes it's just that gap right in the middle, or there's a one right in the edge here that you can just take advantage of. And he's perfect at that. But you, yeah. this was a good negative because you're right. We're probably he's probably not going to have as bad as a game as he's had here. So this is good. That was a good one. Let, um, me, let me talk garbage on him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So my honorable mention of negative, by the way, was just how terrible the refing was this weekend. There was a lot of egregious. There yeah. was a lot of bad refing this weekend. Bad. I didn't really like bad. It. I didn't like it at all. So I don't <laughs> know about you. Do you have any honorable mentions? <laughs> any final thoughts? No, I think I said enough. All right, everybody. So, yeah, Ben and I completed another fun week of just crazy NFL nonsense that's been happening, and we definitely will have more takes on our picks. So this week, uh, we will be uh, posting our next pod on Friday. We're going to record on Thursday. We just had a switch up in our schedule this week. So just in case, if you were expecting us um, on Thursday, we will you'll we'll hear our picks on Friday. Speaking of, real quick, since we we don't really care about this game, no offense to anybody who are fans of these teams. Thursday night, Commanders at Bears. We're locking in our pick now. Who do you have? Is that I believe it's at Washington. Okay, that's good. Um, Commanders twenty one to six. Oh <laughs> man, I'll give them twenty eight to fourteen. I think the Bears figured out their offense a little bit, so I'm going to give Justin yeah. a chance here. That's um, fair. So we locked in the commanders for our Thursday night. So we just wanted to get that out of the way. So this was episode eight of the behind the back podcast. I am Marcos Conan Negron. I am Ben Retz, the jet. Perfect. So with that being said, you can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, X, or TikTok, And you can send us an email behind the back pod 13 at gmail.com with any takes questions. And again, on any of those social media sites that are below in our description, you can send us questions or takes whatever you'd like to do. So. Marcos, that's Ben. We'll see you guys soon. Peace. Peace.